This is the Amboco Christian Center podcast. Hi, and thank you for choosing to listen to the third podcast in this whole church teaching series on a theology of pleasure. I assume that you've listened to the first two. Um, If you haven't, I suggest you do that before you listen to this podcast, as it won't make loads of sense on its own. Assuming you have then, let's pick up where we left off in the last podcast. There I taught that what makes us Christians rather than Gnostics is that we believe that creation is fundamentally good, that God created it out of nothing and that in its essence, creation is good and is our intended home as humans. We are part of creation, made with creation, to live in creation. Sin has since come and messed everything up, but creation is not originally sinful in the sense that it was bad before anything else. It was originally good in the sense that it was good before anything else. So, and here is where we kick off this podcast, the true Christian hope, what we really should long for, is not to escape this world, but to see it redeemed. The key issue of this podcast and what I want to spell out as clearly um, and as brutally as I can is that the ultimate Christian hope is not heaven as we might usually imagine it. The ultimate hope is redemption and resurrection. If you're immediately confused by that contrast, stick with me and hopefully by the end of the podcast you'll understand what I mean. To begin with then, I want to describe what I think is a very common Christian worldview when it comes to life after death, and it goes something like this. While we are alive, we are saved by the grace of Jesus. When we put our faith in him, we know that we'll be forgiven for all our sin. This means that when we die and face the judgment of God, we are pure in his eyes, and that we therefore go to heaven to be with him rather than to hell. We leave behind our earthly lives and begin our heavenly lives, in which there will be no more crying or sadness, but instead we will be in paradise, where we will fully know God in his presence, together with all the others who put their trust in Jesus, where we will enjoy eternal life with God and with his people. Now, if that is a good summary of our hope, then we are Gnostics, not Christians. This falls far short of a biblical vision for our future hope. It's not so much that there are any blatant lies in this summary. In fact, largely, it is true. The problem is that it misses the central point of the biblical picture, the resurrection. In our culture, that summary might, of course, get even worse. We might start to think of heaven as a place of fluffy white clouds and angels with harps. You know, many people in our culture who are into spirituality think of the future hope as a place of a purely spiritual existence. Buddhism, the New Age movement, all of this basically carries the same kind of hope as the one I've just described, that the cosmic Christ will envelop us in his spiritual nirvana of happiness. This is not the Christian hope. Let's look at some scriptures together. Let's first return to the passage in Romans we looked at on the last podcast. In Romans 8 verses 18 to 25, Paul writes about the Christian hope, saying that creation itself is in bondage and waiting 
for its moment of freedom, the time when Christians, the sons of God, will be fully delivered from sin. And this is all a way of talking about the second coming of Jesus, the fulfilment of history. And how does Paul sum up this hope? He says this, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Our hope is not in going to heaven to enjoy a spiritual existence. It is in the redemption of our bodies. It is in the resurrection. It is in a restored and redeemed physical, material, earthly, bodily existence. Paul says exactly the same in Acts when he stands on trial before the Jewish council. In uh, Acts 23 verse 6, he says that it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. And again, when he's before Agrippa in chapter 26 of Acts, he says this. He says, now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship day and night. And for this hope, I'm accused by Jews, O king. And what is this hope? Paul goes on saying the very next verse. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? This is the hope. The resurrection of the dead. The richest exposition of the hope of the resurrection is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a chapter of the Bible that I would encourage all of you to make time to study at some point in depth with time. Get it deep into your minds and into your hearts. I'm going to highlight a few things here. So starting at verse 20 of that chapter, Paul says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Right, so let's notice a, first, a few things here. First of all, Jesus is the first fruits, and this is a reference back to the Jewish offering of the first fruits of their harvest to God. And the point was that the first fruits, uh, if you offered your first fruits, it, it was because you had an expectation of second fruits and third fruits and lots more fruits. So to describe Jesus as the first fruits is to claim that there will be many more resurrections following him. His resurrection was the first fruits of those that will come after. And Paul then makes this explicit that at the coming of Jesus, those who belong to Christ will be resurrected, the redemption of our bodies. Now, if you read on in the chapter, you will find Paul talks about continuity and discontinuity here. In some ways, our resurrected bodies will be like our bodies now. And in other ways, they will be different. There is continuity and discontinuity. But what I want to drive home is that our hope is not in some other kind of spiritual existence. Our hope is in a physical, bodily, resurrected existence. Our perishable body will put on the imperishable, as Paul says, but we will still be bodies. And this leads me to the next main point. Where are our resurrected bodies meant to live in our eternal life of enjoying God? In heaven, a kind of different place to earth, as if heaven's over there and earth is over here and we go from one to the other. 
No, emphatically not. Earth is our home and will be our home. Heaven in the scriptures is not an alternative geographical location, but is better understood as a, just a different kind of space. It is where God fully is and fully reigns. Let's see how this plays out in a couple of scriptures. So first, let's come to Philippians 3 verses 18 to 21, as they may seem to kind of contradict what I'm saying. In them, Paul writes that many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Okay, Tim, you may say. I can see here again the hope of the resurrection, but isn't Paul making a contrast here between earth and heaven? Jesus is somewhere else, he's in heaven, and we are citizens of heaven, and that means that we really belong there, not here, right? And those who are following Jesus have their minds set on earthly things. Doesn't that mean we need to set our minds on non-earthly things to escape this sinful earthly realm? Well, I can understand how you might read the passage like that. But in fact, this passage does not mean that at all. Back in the ancient world, you see, many cities were founded as Roman colonies, including Philippi, the place to which Paul is writing this letter. And in colonies, what happened is that Roman citizens, and generally the bulk of them being ex-soldiers, were given land and were sent off to establish a new city to colonise. And they would be citizens of Rome, but they would go and live in a new city. And occasionally the ruler, Caesar, who was often called saviour in the ancient world, he might come and he might visit the colony. And that is the image that Paul is using here. Roman citizens in, in that world were not people that should be living in Rome and will one day live in Rome again. No, Roman citizens were, were colonising other places. Philippi was their real home, even though they were citizens of Rome. And that's the image Paul's using. He, he's not saying we belong somewhere else. And when we finished our time on earth, we will return to heaven as citizens of heaven. Rather, he's saying that we are citizens of heaven in the sense that we live on earth to bring the life and the ways of God on earth where we live. We bring the rule of heaven on earth because we're citizens of heaven, not that we go back to heaven when we've finished a little jaunt on the earth. And we await the coming of our saviour, of our Caesar, <laughs> Jesus, not to carry us off somewhere else but to finish transforming the place that we live now, to fully exercise his rule and reign where we are now. This is perhaps most clear in the final scripture that I want to look at in this podcast, Romans, uh, sorry, not Romans, Revelation chapter 21. Let's read the first three verses of Revelation chapter 21 together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, 
adorned for her husband. There's loads of imagery here. <laughs> but in this imagery, what we see is not that at the end of history, God comes to take away the faithful to heaven. That's not what we see. But we see that his dwelling place, the new Jerusalem, comes from heaven to earth. It's the coming together of heaven and earth that's being described, not an escape from the earth to the heavens. And the next couple of verses make this very clear. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. There is so much in this chapter to unpack. But the main point I want us to grasp is that our future hope is not an escape from this world, but the redemption of this world. It's not a spiritual existence in heaven, but a resurrected existence on the redeemed earth. Yes, there's discontinuity. Our resurrected bodies will be different in some ways to our bodies now. The new earth will be different in some ways to the earth now. But there is continuity as well. We were created to have a bodily existence on the earth as a good gift of the creator God. And our hope is still to have a bodily existence on the earth as a good gift of our creator God. Only this time without the ravages of sin or the veiling of the presence of God. This is not the right podcast in which to go into some of the dodgy theology that gets thrown around when we think about our future hope. So to pick on one example, uh, this idea of a rapture in which some of us uh, are seized up to heaven to be with Jesus and others are left behind on the earth. You know, this whole idea is simply a really bad reading of one or two New Testament texts which are much better understood in a different way if we if we kind of grasp the context and um, the metaphors of the passages. The rapture has much more to do with American popular culture than any responsible biblical theology. However, this isn't the podcast in which to unpick all of that, but I mention it so as to say that if we get the main point that I've made in this podcast into our heads, the main point of what our future hope is, then it goes a long way to giving us some good foundations, good biblical foundations, from which we can work out the other details of how we think about our hope beyond death. And again, if you want to pick up some of this in greater depth, then I invite you to get in touch with me and we will organise some discussions in the new year where we're able to dig into this. So to summarise what I've said on this podcast, our future hope as Christians is not primarily the hope of going to heaven to be with Jesus when we die. This may be true, in some way and I'm aware we haven't talked about in what sense this is true but that's because I wanted to spend my time primarily making the point that our future hope as Christians is fundamentally first of all the hope of the resurrection on a redeemed and renewed earth it's the redemption of our bodies for which we long it's the redemption and liberation of creation for which all the earth waits in expectation it is not going off to heaven, but heaven coming to renew the earth. It is not a Gnostic escape, but a Christian redemption. And that changes everything. We may seem to have come a long way from talking about pleasure 
this teaching series isn't really meant to be um, mainly our theology of eternal life, which is good because if that was the main point of this teaching series, then there's so much I've left out that it would be horrendously irresponsible. Uh, but we've detoured into our future hope because our hope is linked to pleasure. And I can't talk about pleasure without getting somewhat clear on our hope. Um, so let me say this about pleasure before we finish and then, we'll, and then we'll pick things up again on the fourth podcast. Because our future hope is not for an entirely different kind of existence, but for the redemption and the renewal of a bodily, physical, sensory, earthly existence then the pleasures of eternal life will be in continuity with the pleasures of this life. Yes, there will be some discontinuity. Things then will not be exactly as they are now. The all-pervasive effects of sin will not be having an impact then as they are now. But there will be continuity. Like, I am deadly serious when I say I look forward to playing cricket in heaven. Jesus promised there would be good wine in the resurrection. The things that we actually enjoy now, the things that really give us pleasure, these good things will have continuity in eternal life, but without the sin that so easily spoils them. We'll pick this up again in the, in the next, the fourth, the final podcast, where we're going to come back to pleasure in a big way with these foundations in place and start to apply this theology to our image of God to the way we live and to how we nurture hope and enjoy pleasure as Christians. Thank you for listening to the Amblecote Christian Centre podcast. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecotechristiancentre.org.uk.